Let us pray. Most gracious and ever-living God, we give you thanks and praise for the blessing of this beautiful day, for this place set aside for your worship and service and for gathering us together this night. I pray now, Lord, as we're gathered in your name, as we reflect uh, on your word, that ultimately it would be your holy and living word which would go forth and that would give us the life and the freedom found in you. And this asks now in the name of Jesus, your son, in whose name I pray. Amen. We read Bethany read just a moment ago from the seventh chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. And Andrew commented on this this morning as, as he preached. It's it's Mother's Day. And, uh, you know, what a lovely launching point, a martyrdom um, text uh, for Mother's Day. So uh, but so anyway, we'll just say happy Mother's Day. Uh, grateful for you all. Um, this doesn't necessarily pertain to Mother's Day, um, it, but I wanna, what I want to hold up to you, what I want to invite you to reflect with me on this evening as we hear what this passage from the Acts of the Apostles has to say about the character of God and what this passage has to say about what is available to you and to me as people whose faith and trust are placed in God, even as, as sort of fleetingly and imperfectly as we do that. But the chief thing that I'd like to hold up and invite for you to reflect on this evening along with me is the freedom that's found in a relationship with God, the tremendous freedom that is found in a relationship with God as is exemplified in the life of Stephen, and particularly the type of freedom that comes from being people who are able to forgive. Uh, and to be able to forgive begins uh, from the place where we know we've been forgiven. Uh, to even begin to think about um, forgiving uh, and to really experience the freedom that comes with basically letting bookkeeping die uh, and letting go of all of that is the recognition that you and I are people who have been forgiven uh, beyond anything we've ever deserved. Uh, forgiven beyond anything we could ever have hoped for or imagined or asked for. Uh, to see and to experience and to know the tremendous grace and mercy and forgiveness that have been poured out upon you and me begins to enable us to live with this type of forgiveness and also this type of freedom in our lives. But I'm not going to do a, a, a ton, but need to say really just a little bit about what precedes the portion which Bethany read. Uh, what, what we hear is seemingly um, on a dime, the crowd turns and becomes enraged and it's... Uh, they're both sort of animalistic and childish at the same moment. We hear that they gnash uh, and they grind their teeth uh, at Stephen. And we hear um, that they actually stop their ears. Uh, you can almost, as bizarre as it is, putting their fingers in their ears and shouting out as they rush Stephen uh, and as they stone him. And, and I think it's appropriate to ask, so what did he say? Um, what did he say to get them so wound up? There's a, a saying I heard years ago by a British bishop, and he was sort of questioning the effectiveness of his ministry. He said, you know, wherever Paul went, um, they started a riot. Where, wherever I go, they have a tea party. Uh, and so, you know, there, there, there's something here that, that Stephen has said, which is uh, offensive, uh, whether they're right to perceive it as such or not. But, but obviously he said something here uh, which has really struck a nerve. Uh, he said something here uh, that, that's pierced 
um, their armor uh, that's that's pierced their facade. And we begin back in chapter 6, and we see one of the things that's happening in the early Christian community is, is this. Uh, people, uh, huge numbers of people are, are being drawn to the early Christian community because there is something better and distinctly different uh, about the way that they live in community and relationship with one another. Not that they're free of any sin or fault, uh, anything like that. But one of the things that, that's so distinct is the way that they care for one another, uh, the way that they provide for one another's needs, the way that they seem to have a love and a grace and a mercy and, and forgiveness in their relationships, the way that they seem to have a hope which supersedes their situation in life. And so there's something very distinct about this community. We hear that more and more people are being drawn to their number. And Peter and some of the others say uh, they, they recognize early on a, a number of things. I mean, one, uh, human giftedness, that, that, that people have uh, sort of the same relationship with God, but there are different gifts, different calls, different responsibilities. And, and Peter and some of the others say, you know what, we, we have this commission, we have this call um, to preach and to teach, to share the life-changing good news of the gospel, and, and we need to not neglect that. We need to continue in that. But they also recognize that, that more and more people are coming to this community and they have very real and tangible needs as well and they need to be cared for. And so we need people um, to care for these people. And what many describe as the beginning, uh, at least formally, if you will, of the diaconal ministry, people who are devoted um, to care and to service uh, of those um, who are in need, those who are easily forgotten, those um, who are marginalized. At one point, uh, one of the Roman leaders uh, was scandalized because of the way that the Christians cared for their people, but how they didn't care for their own people. He says, this is scandalous. We don't, we don't care for our own widows and our own people in need. They're, they're all going to the Christians, and they care not only for their own, um, but also those who aren't uh, of their number as well. So we see that people are, are coming to this community of faith with their needs, both tangible and spiritual and all of the above. And so Stephen and some of the others uh, are prayerfully selected as people to care for those who are coming to them. But we see wonderfully, and this is something I'd like to lift up to you and to me as well, uh, in, in Stephen's self-offering of himself and of his life, rather um, than sort of his life being burdened, rather than his life being hijacked by offering himself uh, in a self-offering in relationship and the service of God, we see that his life blossoms. We see that his life uh, unfolds. We see that more and more um, opportunities are placed before him. One of the things we see is not only is he tremendous uh, in caring for people, but he's um, very gifted as well in sharing the good news. And in the way that he's sharing the good news, we hear um, back in chapter 6, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged uh, to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. 
And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And Stephen uh, begins to not necessarily make his defense. He, again, he's wonderfully free. He doesn't seem to be any particular um, concern about making his own defense. But he begins to unfold the message of the scripture um, for the council, which is before him. And we hear that he, as he does so, uh, he does so very effectively. But then he says at the end here, um, and um, this is, uh, again, I, I I think he got their attention with this one. He said, you stiff necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Um, so there's, uh, there's the background. Uh, Stephen is doing wonderful things and people resent him for it. Uh, they, they resent uh, the things that he is doing. And, and as they're not able to, they attempt uh, to undo him in argument, but they're not able to do that. So what do they do? They bring up false witnesses and they bring accusations against him. And he's brought um, before the council. And Stephen basically says, look, it's all right there in the scripture. Uh, it's been told uh, again and again and again. And, and you've rejected Jesus, the one um, who was sent to us to free us. Him you have rejected as well. And we hear uh, that they go after him uh, and that he is stoned. And then amazingly, uh, if I'm sure this stuck out to you as well, it, it sounds so very resonant of Jesus as they are um, stoning him, as they are killing him. Uh, Stephen uh, prays for them. As they're doing this, Stephen prays for them and he, and he says, Father, um, forgive them. Uh, Father, um, forgive them. And then we hear amazingly as he's praying this, Again, resonant of the life and the ministry of Jesus, we hear that the heavens are opened. Uh, And as the heavens are opened, uh, he sees his advocate and his Savior, Jesus. And as he sees his advocate and his Savior, Jesus, uh, Jesus is actually standing. Uh, And and there's significance to that. There's significance to the fact that that Jesus is standing as the heavens are parted, as, as Stephen looks up. In this time of need, in this time in which um, he calls out to God, we see that Jesus is standing. And and in that, uh, we see any number of things, but two uh, I'd like to highlight um, for us now. And the first thing that we see is Jesus is standing uh, basically as a witness. Uh, Jesus is standing as an advocate uh, of Stephen. Here he has been, uh, he's being judged and condemned in this kangaroo court and he's being stoned as a result of these false accusations. But even as this is taking place, as he looks to the heavens, as he calls upon God, we see that he's not only is he not forgotten um, by God, not only uh, is he not um, forsaken by God, but we see Jesus himself uh, who appears before him. And Jesus, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, is actually standing uh, as his advocate as standing as his witness. If you remember in the 14th chapter of John's Gospel, it's actually shortly after the portion which Bethany read just a moment ago. One of the things that Jesus promises to his followers is to say, you know what, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And a little while you'll see me no longer. I'll I'll no longer uh, be with you uh, in the same way bodily, but I'm always 
going to be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. And he says, I'll send you another counselor. I'm the Holy Spirit. And the word which is used has a word uh, which means he will send us an advocate, uh, one who basically um, will plead our case to God the Father, one who will represent us, one um, who will speak um, for us necessarily to God. I, we have uh, three kids. My youngest, Sally, um, recently came home and she was very, and she was very upset. Uh, and when I found out why, I, I don't know if this is bad parenting, good parenting, you'd be the, you, you'd be the judge of that. I mean, it's just uh, parenting. Um, there, there it is. But anyway, she had gotten a ticket, and I'm like, oh, that's all? Um, I'm like, okay. Uh, well, and what she had gotten a ticket for was rolling through a stop sign on the way to school. And um, we live in Homewood uh, over in Edgewood, and I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with that area. There's a stop sign every five feet. Um, and so I'm like, you know what? Everyone um, rolls through uh, stop signs there. And so it's kind of one of those, I'm just like, I get it. Um, don't worry about it, pal. Um, you know, there, there, there it is. I'm sorry if you wanted me to get mad. I'll get mad about something else. Um, but, you know, it's kind of one of those uh, guilty as charged uh, as, as well. But one of the things I thought about as well is, is she got that. Of course, we'll see. And I don't listen. I don't I don't blame the officer jerk. Um, but, um, you know, I don't, listen, I don't, I don't blame him. I mean, it is, it is what it is. Um, but uh, at the same time, I, I went to see a buddy of mine who's a lawyer, and I said, hey, can you, you think you can help me with this? He's like, oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, I, I can help you with this. And so uh, all that by way of saying, you know what, I, we have an advocate. All right, guilty, yes, um, absolutely guilty, but but we have an, an advocate. And that is one of the things that I'm trying to say to you um, this evening, uh, again, going back to that, that tremendous freedom we see exemplified by Stephen because as we as we read the account of his life, in some ways it's easy to be intimidated by it and say, you know what, he's he's infinitely better um, not only than I am, but but he's infinitely better than anything I could even imagine um, being. I mean, I listen. He look how faithful he is. Look look at his life and 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 good grief. Uh, if if my life is is held up beside that, then listen, I have no chance. Uh, I, I have no hope. If this is a competition, I'm not even in the race uh, between me uh, and between Stephen. But the reality is, uh, I think in many ways, Stephen's a better guy than I am. Uh, Stephen's a better guy than you are. But the reality is as well, we see one brief portion because I can assure you as well that he was a man. Uh, he was a person um, just like you and I are people. And he had his good days and his bad days and he had his strong moments uh, and he had uh, his weak moments. But what he had in the midst of all of that was that tremendous freedom from knowing and believing the truth of God is revealed in Jesus Christ. Uh, and in that truth, he realized that he was a person uh, who had been uh, forgiven and restored um, by God, though guilty uh, in relationship with God. And that's what he does as he unpacks the scriptures. He says, look, we are all guilty. Um, we're all guilty before God. And again and again, he sent the prophets. And as Jesus says in Luke's gospel, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, as he mourns over it, you who stone the prophets and kill those who are sent to you have longed um, to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but, but you would not have it. Uh, and in essence, what Jesus says is, uh, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you would not have me. Um, I'm the one that has been foretold in the prophets. I'm the one who's been promised to you. I'm the one who's come to gather you uh, as a chick that gathers her hens 
her chicks uh, under her wings, but you would not um, be gathered uh, stiff-necked, uh, uncircumcised uh, in heart and eyes. Uh, but Stephen had experienced that tremendous freedom uh, that comes from knowing the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of God that come to us, that gift greater than anything we could ever deserve. And, and in receiving that, I'm freed um, to be a person who forgave as well. I'll share briefly a, a story and a, and a quote uh, before I conclude. In, in reflecting on this um, I was speaking to someone recently, and they were asking about how Paula, my wife, is doing. And a lot of you know, and, and we're just a, a tremendous gift to us, is about two and a half years ago now, hard to believe how time flies, about two and a half years ago, Paula was hit by a hit-and-run driver as we were pedestrians crossing the street, and um, it, was, it was horrific. She nearly died. Uh, we spent three weeks in the hospital. The trauma burn intensive care unit and multiple surgeries and just you know, not really, I mean, yes, months, but also years of rehab and, and recovery. Uh, I mean, a very um, frightening and, and trying time. And as I say, that it was a hit and run. And people ask, uh, one of the things that people have asked her uh, from time to time, have asked us from time to time is, um, you know, what about, what about the person? What about the person who hits you? Did they ever find that person? Does that drive you crazy? And uh, from the very beginning, uh, one of the things that I think was admirable and remarkable about Paula's response to all this, and, and you know what? Had she said, why me? <laughs> like I would have faulted her um, for that. But, but she never said, why me? And as I say, if, if she had, I wouldn't have thought any less of her. You know, we all grapple and wrestle with stuff that happens to us, but there was never a why me. It was kind of, why not me? I wish it wasn't me, but, but to some degree, uh, why not me? But, but when asked about that, that person, uh, she could honestly say, you know what, I uh, pray for that person. I've forgiven um, that person. I've kind of let that go at the very beginning. And as I share that, let me say, Paula can have a long memory. Um, as her husband, I can assure you that, um, you know, she can... Certain things she can have a very long memory about, uh, and 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 yet, uh, in that um, particular instance, it, w it was an easy thing for her to say, you know what, there, you know, there it is. Lord have mercy, uh, Lord have mercy on on me, uh, Lord have mercy uh, on on that person, and 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 how does one say that? <laughs> it's it's the message of the gospel. Uh, it's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives. At, at one point, Alexander Solzhenitsyn um, said that uh, one of the things he recognizes is, is that the dividing line of humanity is, is, doesn't, isn't sort of between here's the good people over here and here's the bad people over there. He said, no, the dividing line of humanity runs to the human heart. It's, it's the recognition um, that, uh, that, that all of us are people um, who stand in need uh, of the mercy of God. All of us are people who stand in need of the grace of God. And we see um, Stephen, having recognized that, he's, he's free um, to offer uh, his life in service. Uh, he's free not to worry about sort of controlling his destiny. He has the freedom of allowing God um, to guide and direct him. But he's also free to forgive people. Uh, in the midst of their rejection of and persecution of him. I'll share a final quote here. Uh, it, it's from a book uh, by a guy named Miroslav Volf. And, and, and Volf uh, was from Yugoslavia. He lives here in the uh, 
States now, and he's a professor of, of theology, but he described a situation in which uh, it was a time in which uh, he was conscripted for a year of service in the army in Yugoslavia when they were still a communist country and everyone was required to do a year of military service and so he was required to do the same and he said it was it was really it was a torturous year for him he said I realized that there are people who have had greater sufferings and and greater challenges than I have but what the people did is uh, his father had been a pastor, so his father was a Christian, as was he, and that was one strike against him. Uh, another strike against him was that he had been educated um, in the West. A third strike against him was he had married uh, a Westerner, so they were, they were sure um, that he was a spy. Um, and so for a year, he was not only was he monitored uh, and, and sort of basically bugged and surveyed 24-7, um, but also, he would be brought in regularly and they would make all sorts of threats and accusations against him. We know you're a spy, go ahead and admit it. Uh, we know you're a spy, go ahead and tell us uh, the truth and, and maybe we'll be lenient. Uh, but if you don't, uh, this is what's going to happen to you. This is what's going to happen to your family. You're going to be thrown in jail. Um, you're never going to see um, your wife or your child again. You're never going to see your family again. And again and again and again, he was... He was threatened uh, in this way. He was falsely uh, accused in this way. And he finished up his, his year, thankfully, and, and was able um, to go on. But as, but as you might imagine, uh, we were hearing about this violence which happened um, to Stephen. But, but the reality is you and I experience all sorts of violence in our lives. And, and sadly, we, we extend it uh, in our relationships with, with other people as well. And it's not just physical violence. It's emotional violence. Um, violence and it's and it's relational and the things that that hurt uh, and and leave an impact in our lives and and Wolf, not surprisingly um, he's a man after my own heart uh, his way of dealing with it was he would get to it later um, he just sort of wanted to sort of tuck away that experience uh, in the recess of his mind and the recess of his spirit um, I mean that's you know that's the best way to take care of it. Uh, just let it take care of itself. Um, and so he, he, he attempted to tuck it away, but he said he, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't stay tucked away. Uh, it was something that continued to come back and to play to him, particularly his anger and his hatred directed to the captain, the one who was the chief ringleader of all of this. Uh, despite uh, his desires otherwise, he would continue to see his face. He would continue um, to hear his voice. You know, kind of like the things that happen to you and to me, whether things large or small, in those quiet moments sometimes it, it comes and seeps in, doesn't it? Uh, it, it comes back and, and you remember it. And, and, and perhaps uh, occasionally, like me, you, you, you have a pity party and you savor it. Um, I, I can't believe uh, that this person would do, uh, would do this to me. And, and, he, and he wasn't able um, to let go of this. And it came. And, and basically the question that, that he asked himself is, uh, how does one remember rightly? Uh, how does one remember rightly in a, in a violent world and recognizing that you and I are part of it as well? And how does one experience this, and how does one particularly remember rightly and deal with this in, in light of the gospel, in light of uh, the fact that God has extended forgiveness to us that we don't deserve? How, do, how, do we, how does that begin to translate into our um, relationships with other people? And, and he writes this that I share with you. He says, to triumph fully, evil needs two victories, not one. The first victory happens when an evil deed is perpetrated. The second victory 
when an evil is returned. After the first victory, evil would die if the second victory did not infuse it with new life. So he says, for evil to really triumph, it needs two victories. First, um, the hurt done against another person. And the second victory is when we respond in kind. Uh, and were we not to respond in kind, it, it wouldn't have the energy needed to continue um, to live. Uh, and, and I share that with you for, for this reason, because what was profoundly freeing and life-changing uh, in Stephen's life has the same profound ability to be life-changing and freeing in yours and my life as well. Because it's at the heart of the message of the gospel. Uh, Jesus um, had evil perpetrated uh, upon him. He was falsely accused. He was mocked. Uh, he was denied. He was crucified. Uh, we uh, rejected him. And, and we see um, that that evil is defeated by his not responding in kind. As he goes to the cross, uh, he prays um, for those who would crucify him. He prays um, for those who would persecute him. He extends um, to you and to me forgiveness and mercy that aren't earned, um, but that are given. And when the truth of that uh, begins to uh, take root in our hearts, take root in our minds, take root in our spirits, uh, and it, it begins to do its work. Um, in our lives, and we can uh, offer uh, ourselves in relationship with him. We can be people um, who are able um, to forgive in some small way as we have been forgiven. We're people who are filled with the type of love and grace which transforms not only our lives but our relationships. Uh, and as we hear that this evening, let us pray. Heavenly Father, I do give you thanks and praise for the example of your servant Stephen for the great faithfulness exemplified in his life. And I thank you as well, most gracious God, that you extend the same power and love and grace and mercy to us. And I pray the truth of that would descend into our hearts and our minds and our lives in such a way that we're able to live fully and freely as people who are forgiven, restored, and loved in Jesus, your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.